when we're there in Proverbs chapter 8, I was thinking to myself, I better make sure that I turn these phones off every time because I'm going to have the ushers back there calling me every service, you know, waiting to see the time I forget or something because that number looked pretty familiar. So anyway, (laughs) Proverbs chapter 8, look at verse number, uh, I want you to just bring your attention to verse number 13, Proverbs chapter 8 and verse number 13. Notice what the Bible says. It says, the fear of the Lord is, I want you to make note of these words, is to hate evil and he talks about when you fear the Lord, you're going to hate evil and you're going to hate these things. And notice, pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the forward mouth. Now, this is pride in chapter 8 here of Proverbs. Pride is personified. It's, it's pride is speaking as if it's a person. And notice what pride, I'm sorry, not pride, wisdom. Wisdom is personified and wisdom is speaking as if it's a person. And notice what wisdom says about these things. It says, do I Hate. The fear of the Lord is to hate pride. The fear of the Lord is to hate arrogancy. And he says at the end there, or she says at the end there, I hate those things. He says, pride and arrogancy do I hate. And we're doing this series, uh, this is now our second week, next week will be our last week, in the series of pride, the problem at the center of your problems. And one of the reasons we're doing it is because God hates pride. And not only does God hate pride, but God hates pride in us. You're there in Proverbs chapter 8. Go with me to Proverbs chapter number 16. Proverbs chapter 16 and look at verse number 5. You're there in Proverbs 8. Just flip a few pages over. Now remember, do me a favor and keep your place in Proverbs because we're going to leave it and come back to it and all those things. And we'll be around there. So make sure you can get to Proverbs quickly. Proverbs chapter 16. We're going to look at a lot of verses this morning and look at a lot of different things in, in the Bible about pride. Proverbs 16, look at verse 5. Notice what the Bible says. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. Now, God doesn't throw that word around, abomination, very loosely. He uses it uh, only a handful of times throughout the Bible. But here we're told that when someone is proud in heart, they are an abomination to the Lord. So you got to understand, not only does God hate pride, but God hates pride in people. God hates pride in us. When we are proud in heart, the Bible says that we can be an abomination unto the Lord. Now, the problem with pride, go go to Proverbs chapter number 3. Proverbs chapter number 3. The problem with pride is this. We can often identify pride in others. We can often identify pride and arrogancy. You can look at somebody and say, that person is very arrogant. That person is very proud. They're very puffed up. But it's difficult for us to be able to identify pride in ourselves. And often we'll hear sermons like about pride and about the fact that God hates pride, about not having your heart lifted up. And we will think in our minds, and it's not that we're being bad people or, or, or wicked people, but we'll think, oh, I'm not, I'm not proud or I, I don't do that or I don't think that. I don't think that I'm better than God or I don't think that I'm better than anyone else. But because it's difficult to understand pride and because pride masquerades itself. It hides itself in our lives. So this morning, I want to preach a a sermon. I want to teach you on the subject of identifying pride in your life. Because here's what you got to understand. We all struggle with pride, every single one of us. And we all have pride in our lives. And it, it shows itself in different ways. But you and I may not identify it as pride. Now, I promise you this, your co-workers do. And your spouse does. And your neighbors do. And your relatives do. But you and I don't. You know, you sit there and say, oh, I'm just very confident. And your, your wife would say, no, you're arrogant. You know, uh, well, I just, you know, and, and, and it masquerades itself in certain ways. But I want to give you 10 things the Bible teaches us that pride does, 10 characteristics of pride. And I want you to notice these and see if you can identify any of these in your life. We need to learn to identify pride. And here's why. Because God hates pride and God hates pride in you. And God hates pride in me. Now, the best way to identify pride is not to identify pride, but to identify how you scorn others. Now, you say, well, what does that mean? Are you there in Proverbs chapter 3? Why don't you notice verse number 34? Proverbs 3, 34, the Bible says this. Surely he, now the he there is referring to God. Surely he, notice what it says, scorneth the scorners. Scorneth the scorners. So, God is going to scorn the scorner. Now, the scorner, that first scorner, that's a, that's, a, that's a verb. That's an action. He's doing that to the scorners. That's a noun. That's a person who's a scorner. Now, the Bible says that he scorneth the scorner. And notice the contrast. Because you say, well, what is, it, what, what is the opposite of, of being a scorner? Notice what he says. 
but he giveth grace unto the lowly. You see? Now that word lowly, obviously you see the word low, it mean lowly, it means to be brought low. It means someone who's humble. Now this verse is quoted in the New Testament. So keep your finger there in Proverbs. Go with me to the book of James. James chapter number four in the New Testament. James chapter four. Part of this verse is quoted, I should say. James chapter four. Towards the end of your New Testament, if you start at the end in the book of Revelation and move your way backwards, you're going to go through the book of Jude, which is one uh, just chapter. Then you'll go past 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, very small book. 1st, 2nd Peter, a uh, little bit of a bigger book. Uh, and then uh, you'll, you'll uh, be in the book of James. James chapter number 4. And I want you to notice verse number 6. Now keep your finger in Proverbs 3.34 because we're going to flip back and forth. I want you to notice the comparison, okay? James chapter 4, are you there? James chapter 4, look at verse 6, okay? But he giveth more grace... Wherefore he saith, notice, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Now, flip back to Proverbs 3.34. Notice what 3.34 says. Surely he scorneth the scorners, but he giveth grace unto the lowly. All right? Now, the lowly and the humble, that's the same word. It means the same thing, okay? The end of both of these verses tells us that he giveth grace unto the lowly, or that he giveth grace unto the humble. But the contrast to that in James is that he resisteth the proud. Now, how does God resist the proud? Proverbs 3.34, by scorning the scorner, or he scorneth the scorner. Now, the word scorn or scorning means to hold someone in disdain, means to look down on someone, means to think evil of someone, means to talk badly of someone. So see, you and I, none of us would say, First of all, it, it, it's, the, it's a very unique person, and I'm sure that there is somebody out there who would do this, but it's a very unique person who would say, I am proud. I am arrogant. I mean, almost virtually no one would, would just admit to that. Because pride hides itself in us, and often we can identify pride. But here's how we can identify pride. When we identify the things that we scorn, the things that we disdain, the things that we look down on, the things that we talk smack about, you know, the things that we say evil things about. When we look at the things that we hold in, in just disgust, you know, that scorning, God says that that's pride because he equates the two. He says he scorneth the, scor- uh, he, he scorneth the scorners. He says he resisteth the proud. He says he giveth grace to the lowly. He giveth grace to the humble. Here's what you got to understand. Pride persecutes people. Pride persecutes others. You're there in the book of Proverbs? Go with me to the book of Psalms. It's right before the book of Proverbs. Psalm uh, chapter number 10. Look at verse 2. Psalm 10 and verse number 2. Psalm 10. This is all introduction. I'm going to give you 10 things that pride does that we can identify in our own lives. Psalm Psalm 10. Look at verse number 2. Notice what the Bible says. Psalm 10 and verse 2. The wicked in his pride doth persecute the poor. Let them be taken in the devices that they have imagined. See, when we persecute someone or when someone persecutes anyone, it comes because of a result of pride. Because here's what you're going to understand. Whenever anyone persecuted anyone, they thought they were better than the person they were persecuting. I mean, does that make sense? When the, when the Israelite, when the children of Israel were persecuted by the Egyptians and put into bondage, the Egyptians thought that they were better than the Israelites. When, you know, in our own history, in the United States of America, when, you know, uh, black people were under slavery and, and they were put under bondage, the people that held them in slavery thought they were better than them because whenever the Antichrist would think he's better than the Christians who he persecutes because the Bible says the wicked in his pride doth persecute. Now, in this example, the poor, but... Pride always persecutes others. It always looks down on others. It always, you know, and, and, and when it's the Antichrist, it'll be a great tribulation. But when it's on, you know, the playground, it's a bully, right? When it's on the playground, it's one kid thinking he's better than the other, thinking he's stronger than the other, thinking he's bigger than the other. And that's how pride works. Go to Psalm 36. Look at verse 11. Psalm 36, verse 11. Notice what the Bible says. Psalm 36 and verse 11. Psalm 36, 11. Let not the foot of pride come against me. This is a prayer by the psalmist. He's saying, don't let the foot of pride come against me. Why? Because whenever there's pride involved, it'll come against you. 
and let not the hand of the wicked remove me. So you got to understand, the best way to identify pride in our lives is to identify those that we persecute, those that we bully, those that we look down on, those that we scorn, those that we hold in disdain. Go through the book of Ezekiel. We're going to look at a lot of passages this morning, like I told you. So you got to kind of be ready. Get your fingers ready. Get them warmed up, all right? Ezekiel 28, and look at verse number 5. Now, you're there in the book of Psalms. You want to move towards the end of the Old Testament. You're going to go past Proverbs, past Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. You find those big books, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. Look at Ezekiel 28. Now, I don't have time to develop Ezekiel 28 because Ezekiel 28 is a very interesting uh, passage. But here's what you got to understand, okay? There are two people being spoken of in Ezekiel 28. In the first part, we're talking about the prince of Tyre. Now, the prince of Tyre was a man who was very lifted up with pride. We're going to see that in a minute. Later on in the passage, we, we shift gears from the prince of Tyre to the king of Tyre. Now, the king of Tyre, I believe, and if you study it in its context, is talking about Satan. And, and the idea that's being equated there is that a lot of these political leaders are just controlled by Satan himself. And that's what the Bible teaches in Ezekiel. You can just look at our White House and, you, and you'll figure it out yourself. You know, Look at our Congress and you'll see it yourself. Look at all the politicians running around. They're all a bunch of Satan worshipers. They might not know it, but they're all a bunch of Satan. You know, They reject Jesus Christ and they reject the things of the Bible. And, and, and people, people get mad at me when I say that. Let me tell, let me explain something to you, okay? It, it, it's, if it's Republican, if it's Democrat, I don't care what it is, if it's white, black, it doesn't matter. They, if you're a politician, you are a, a bad person, as far as I'm concerned. Because you can't make it in that, you know, in that system. You can't make it in the political system without, you know, just giving up on Christianity and giving up on everything that's righteous, and that's the truth. Ezekiel 28, look at verse 5. Ezekiel 28, verse 5. I just gotta say that because, you know, we're gonna be voting next year or whatever. Ezekiel 28, look at verse 5. By thy great wisdom, notice, by thy great wisdom and by thy traffic has thou increased thy riches. Notice what it says. And thine heart is lifted up because of thy riches. Now he's talking to the prince of Tyre here. And God is telling him that his heart is lifted up. That's a term that's often used about pride throughout the Bible. His heart is lifted up. Here's why. Because of thy riches. Now, for those of you who like to take notes, I got ten points. I don't know that I will... Review them all all the time, but I, I just want to give you 10 different things that people look down on others for. Number one, pride looks down on people because of their things. Pride looks down on people because of their things. Now, again, let me explain. No one, I don't believe anyone, would ever get up and say, I'm better than so-and-so because I make more money than so-and-so. Or I'm better than so-and-so because I have more you know, wealth than so-and-so. But here's what you're saying. Pride hides itself. It masquerades itself. And here's what people do. And here's what you got to understand when pride. Half of the stuff we're talking about is in your own heart. It's not things that you would ever say out loud. But it's the way you think. It's the way you feel about people. And if you've ever looked down on someone or if you've ever mocked someone for the clothes they wear, if you ever looked down on someone and kind of made fun of their clothes, just kind of just say, ah, you know, look, look at how they're dressed. Hey, listen, that's pride. That's your heart being lifted up because of riches. Have you ever looked down on someone because of what they drive? Have you ever looked down on someone because of where they live? I would never live there. I can't believe that thing. That's pride. Our hearts get lifted up. You say, well, my heart would never get lifted up because of riches, but it might get lifted up because of things you have, because of places you've been, because of vacations you take. And hey, our hearts get lifted up, and we have to identify whenever we look down on someone, and, we, and, we, and, and maybe you never say it out loud, maybe you never even say it to your wife or your husband, but in your mind, you kind of look down on someone and say, oh, that person, you know, they, they, they just look bad. You know, they just look like they need, you know, and you look at them and scorn. Hey, that's pride. Our hearts get lifted up because of riches. Let me give you another example. You're there in Ezekiel 28. Look at verse number 17. Now, in verse 17, we're now talking about the king of Tyre, who I believe is Satan. And Satan is actually someone that, uh, you know, has a lot of pride, obviously. And you can learn a lot about pride through Satan. And we'll look at another passage about Satan later on in the sermon. But look at Ezekiel 28. Look at verse 17. Let me show you another Thing that people get prideful about. Notice what it says in verse 17. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will look thee before kings that they may behold thee. Number two, pride looks down on people for the way they look. Pride looks down on people for the way they look. 
Now again, no one would ever stand up and say, I'm, well, there are some crazies out there that would actually look down on someone and say, I'm better looking than so-and-so, so I'm better than them. Well, that's just dumb, okay? That's just stupid. But you know, if you ever look down on someone, today, you know, you're, maybe you're, 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 you're really into exercising, and you look down on other people and say, oh, because they're not fit, because they're overweight. Now listen to me. You know, being overweight is not a good thing. The Bible speaks against it, and we all, ought, we all ought to, you know, try to be healthy and things of that nature. But listen to me. If you look down on someone and you kind of make fun of someone because they're overweight, that's pride in your heart. That's pride. You're looking down, and here's what you're saying. I'm beautiful, and they're not. And, and by the way, you don't know. Different people struggle with different things. And for some people, it's very difficult to maintain the image that you think is acceptable for society. And by the way, usually people who think that way are just allowing Hollywood to tell them what's acceptable and allowing Hollywood to tell them what's beautiful and allowing Hollywood to tell. You know, God made every single person. God designed us and God created us and God made some people to look a certain way. And we ought never disdain or look down on anyone. And I'm not saying, look, you have a desire to get in better shape. Praise the Lord for that. I, I'm, I, I think I think that's a great thing. I think we all ought to try to be healthier. But you ought never look down on someone for the way they look. That's pride. Satan was lifted up because of that. And see, no one would ever say, they're ugly and I'm not, you know, so I'm proudful. But here's what they would say. They would look down on the way they look. They would look down on the way they're dressed. They would look down on their makeup or lack of makeup. They would look down on, uh, on their weight. They would look, they, they would criticize, you know, the way their hair looks or the way they're, and all of that identifies pride in our life. It's pride. The Bible says that their heart, his heart was lifted up. And this, and this is Satan, who's male, you know. His heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Number three, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. See, there's 10, there's 10 uh, points, but we're already in point number three. We're going to do it fast because I, told, I told my wife when we're driving here, this, I don't think this sermon is going to go over very well. But that's okay. I specialize on those. Actually, those are my best sermons. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, look at verse 1. Pride looks down on people because of knowledge. Pride looks down on people because of knowledge. In, in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Notice what verse 1 says. Now, as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Now, notice what the Bible says. Knowledge puffeth up. Now, that's another term used for pride throughout the Bible, being puffed up. Here's what that means. You're full of yourself. Now, notice what it says. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifies. See, sometimes when we learn a lot, sometimes when we get a lot of knowledge, it puffs us up and it causes us to look down on people. Now, some people, and I, don't, I, I would hope no one would do this in our church, but definitely out in society, some people will look down on people because they didn't go to college or they didn't graduate from college. You know, oftentimes in ministry, people, well, what Bible college did you go to? Listen to me. Most of these guys that come out of Bible college are a bunch of pansies. They don't know the Bible. They don't stand for anything, you know. And, and but people are like, what Bible college did you go? And people look down on people because they didn't go to college. Or even, you know, because they didn't graduate high school, people look down on Now, listen to me. I think people ought to graduate high school. If you haven't graduated high school, I'm not against you. I'm not mad at you. But I think you ought to work towards getting that, you know, GED or whatever. I think that's a great thing. But you ought never look down on someone because, well, they didn't graduate high school. They must be dumb. You know, you just don't know. People go through things in life. Sometimes, you know, just, you know, that not every, I, I am so thankful. That, you know, the psalmist talks about the lines were falling unto me in goodly places. I have a goodly heritage. I'm so thankful for the mom and dad that God gave me and for the family that I was born into. I was born into a family that loved God and loved Jesus Christ. And my dad taught us to work early in life. And we made school a priority and we made church a priority. But you know what? Not everybody grew up in that home. Some people grew up in homes where mom and dad were on drugs or alcohol and things were just tough and things were just rough and they didn't have the direction they needed. And, you know, we ought not look down on people because they didn't meet the criteria that you think they should have met. Knowledge puffeth up. Sometimes, you know, here's something that's a little more applicable to our, our church. You know, people get puffed up because of the type of education. You know, because, you know, and, and listen, listen to me very carefully. And I'm going to lose like half of you, but it's fine because I'm going to lose you anyway. <laughs> We, we will not develop. At Verity Baptist Church, we promote homeschooling. I think homeschooling is the best way to go. I think homeschooling is the scriptural way to go. 
I think the Bible teaches homeschooling. I want to support homeschooling. We have homeschool groups and homeschool field trips, and we do all those things. But listen to me. Don't ever look down on someone because they don't homeschool or because they send their kids to public school. You don't know the life that they're living. They might not have the husband you have to be able to support you to be a homeschool mom. You know, They might not have the finances or the ability. They might just not know, and they're just doing what they think is best for their children, and we ought not develop this attitude. And these kids running around, you know, they start developing these attitudes of, of you know, I'm going to look down on these other kids because they're homeschooled, or I'm going to talk you know, garbage about them because they go to the public school, or they, you know, they've got a a government worker as a teacher. That's ridiculous. You know, and, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to raise a bunch of proud, arrogant brats. We ought never look down on someone because, you know, well, I was homeschooled. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, good night. But see, the, the idea is this, you know, should we do homeschooling? Absolutely. Do I believe in homeschooling? Absolutely. Do I think it's the best way to go? Absolutely. Do we try to promote? Does my wife teach a class, you know, in the summer, teaching ladies how to set up a homeschool and, and how to do it properly and how to, you know, how, how to teach and how to be organized and all those things? Absolutely. But listen to me. We ought never develop this attitude where we look. You don't know the situation. Sometimes people, they want to homeschool and they can't. They just legally aren't able to. You know, you don't know the situations that people are in. You ought never look down on someone. Before they're, you say, well, well, I've got all this knowledge. Knowledge puff it up. Knowledge puff it up. People look down on people because of knowledge, because of, you know, because of the, the, the way they raise their kids or whatever. And I'm all for homeschooling. Don't get me wrong. I think you ought to homeschool. If, you, if you're interested, talk to me. Talk to my wife. But listen to me. We ought never develop this attitude where it's like, we've got our homeschool kids and then we've got the other kids. No, no. We've got kids. They're all sinners, all right? Mom and dad are sinners. Children are sinners. They're all, they're all kids. Number four, pride. Man, I'm really going to lose you guys on this one. Pride looks down on people because of what they eat. Think about this. 1 Corinthians 8. If you read that passage, you're there in 1 Corinthians 8. If you read that passage, guess what it's all about? Food. And here's, here's what they're doing. Let me go ahead and just give up my position, okay? Because it's not about, you know, the Bible doesn't talk about organic food, all right? The Bible doesn't talk about healthy food. But it does talk a lot about food. Now, let me just tell you something about organic food. We, at our home, we eat organic, healthy food. I mean, you talk to my wife, 95% of the food that she makes, that we buy, that we eat at home, is organic, healthy food, you know. Um, in, in my entire house, I'm the unhealthiest. I mean, my wife is super healthy. My children are all healthy because my wife feeds them, you know. I'm the one that's, like, going out and getting the soda or whatever when we're out. You know, but, you know, honestly... We eat healthy food. I'm not against eating healthy food. I'm not against organic food or healthy food. And I don't think that everyone who eats organic and healthy food is proud or arrogant. I don't think that at all. You didn't hear me say that because some of you are going to walk away and say, Pastor Jimenez, and you're going to say that I said something I didn't say. But here's the thing. God, let, let me just explain something to you about organic food, all right, and healthy food. God doesn't care. God doesn't care. Are you there in 1 Corinthians chapter 8? Look at verse 8. Let me just show it to you. I'm for organic food. I think you ought to eat healthy food. I think you ought to try to be, get the best food you can. And if, and if you've got a whole food or you've got a whatever, you know, around you, my wife goes to Costco and buys a bunch of organic food at Costco. And I, it's great that Costco has all that for good prices. Praise the Lord for it. But notice what the Bible says about food. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 8. Notice what it says. But me, meat's talking about food. That's the Bible word for food. But me commendeth us not to God. For neither if we eat are we better, neither if we eat not are we the worst. You know that God doesn't care about organic food? And here's what people say to me. They say, well, during the Bible times, they didn't need organic food. You don't think God knew about organic food? You don't think God could have talked about organic food in the Bible? But you know what? The Bible tells us that God doesn't care. Now, let me explain to you, because there are people out there who do get proud and arrogant about this subject. And let me explain to you when you cross the line. Because I don't think, I don't think that most people who just want to eat healthy are bad people or proud people. I want to eat healthy. We want to try to feed our children the best food. But I'll tell you when it crosses the line, because the Bible makes it very clear. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. I'm trying to help you identify when you may cross the line or when someone crosses the line with you. When does... Being proud about what you eat become a sin. First Timothy chapter 4. The Bible is very clear about this. So I'll show it to you. First Timothy chapter 4. You're there in uh, 1 Corinthians. Go past 2 Corinthians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. You can find the T-books, 1 2 Thessalonians, 1 2 Timothy. First Timothy chapter 4. Look at verse 4. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 4. Notice what the Bible says. For every creature of God is good. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 4. For every creature of God is good. 
And here's the key words, okay? And I want you to underline this in your Bible, if you don't mind underlining. And nothing to be refused, if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Now, remember that phrase, nothing to be refused. Go to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, look at verse 8. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 10, verse 8. When Jesus was giving his disciples, you know, he was talking to them about how they ought to act and how they ought to treat people. Notice what he said. Luke chapter 10, look at verse 8. Luke chapter 10, verse 8. Luke chapter 10, verse 8. And into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you. Notice what the Bible says. And into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you. Notice what it says. Eat such things as are set before you. Jesus told the disciples, whatever someone puts in front of you, eat it. And let me tell you when you cross the line and you cross the line into pride and arrogance when it comes to food, when someone offers you something and you refuse it. When you're over at someone's house, we've literally had people over at our house where my wife spent the entire afternoon cooking dinner, cooking this great dinner. I mean, even organic, healthy food. And we have people over and then she serves a meal and they're like, we don't eat that food. It's like, whoa, excuse us, you know, pardon us. You know, it's like, how do you respond to that? Basically, how do you respond to it? You got three options. You can go home, or you can sit there and watch us eat, or you can get off your stupid little diet and eat. Because the moment you refuse food, someone offers you something, someone's just being kind, they just bring you a meal, and then you're like, I'm not going to eat that. Is it organic? We were at somebody's house recently, and this lady offered our kids these bananas. We didn't say, is it, is it organic? <laughs> I don't see the little USDA sticker on it. We just gave it to our kids and let them eat it. Because here's where you cross the line into pride and arrogance, when you refuse people's food. When people are being, I'm not talking about they're offering you cyanide, okay? When they're offering you food, they cook for you. They spend time, you know, preparing something for you. The Bible says, this is what Jesus said, eat such things as are set before you. I mean, my wife and I literally, not recently, but we've literally been to people's houses that invited us over for dinner, and we walked into the house, and it smelled like cat urine. I'm not joking. And it just looked dirty, and it just looked nasty, and we were not comfortable. And we sit down, and this sweet lady put a meal in front of us, and what did we do? We ate it. And I thank God for it, and I thank God that there was somebody who cared and loved us enough to invite us over for dinner, who wanted to be a blessing to her pastor and to her pastor's wife. And we didn't complain. We didn't, you know, you have to kind of blow the cat hair off the food, but you just ate it, you know? Because when people put something, and you know, it's funny, but here's the thing. When you look down on people for the way they eat, it's pride. Well, I don't eat that. That's pride. Now, I'm all for eating healthy. We eat healthy. I think you ought to eat healthy. But you cross the line. The Bible says nothing to be refused. Eat such things as are set before you. Go to 1 Kings chapter 20. Let me just give you. Something to think about. First Kings chapter 20. First Kings chapter 20, if you, in the Old Testament, you got First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. First Kings chapter 20. First Kings chapter 20, look at verse number 11. First Kings chapter 20. I love this verse. I'd like to preach an entire sermon just about this verse, and maybe one day I will. But just to give you a little bit of the context, there's two kings that are going at war with each other. And one king's just talking smack to the other king. And he's just saying, I'm going to eat you for lunch. You know, I'm going to destroy you. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. Now, in the story, the, that king actually lost the battle. But I love what the king says to him. First Kings 20.11, the Bible says, And the king of Israel, which, you know, usually was a bad guy, but in this story, he's cast in a good light. And the king of Israel answered and said, I love this phrase, Tell him, talking about the other king that was talking all the smack, that was saying all the bad things that were going to happen. He says, tell him, let not him that girdeth on his harness boast himself as he that put it off. I love that verse. You know what that means? He says, when you're putting on your armor to go into battle, don't be bragging about how you're going to win like the guy who's taken it off, meaning the guy who's already won the battle and taken it off. You understand what I'm saying? He's saying, before something happens, don't brag about it. Because I've literally, I've, I've been out, you know, and I'll be like drinking a soda. You know, we take church people out to eat. And people will say to me, like, that's going to give you cancer. I, I, I would be careful saying that. Hey, be careful about putting, you know, he that putteth on his garnet, or, or, or what is it, uh, girdeth on his harness, boast himself as he that putteth it off. 
You know, you ought to be careful about, and you know, people say, right, you, they'll make fun of McDonald's. I don't eat McDonald's. But you eat that, it's going to, I would be real careful if I were you. Now look, when you're 120 years old, and they're interviewing you about how strong you are and all those things, go ahead and tell them it's all the organic food and it's all that thing. But you look, until till you get there, be very careful. You don't know who's going to get cancer. You, know, you don't know who's going to be sickly. You don't know who's going to be diseased. And here's what I think is funny. Some of the people that eat the healthiest are the sickliest. They're like always sick. They're always got something going on. You know, I, I, I didn't ask my, I didn't ask Jose if I could do this, but I'll, I'm going to use him. I, I love Brother Jose, my, my brother-in-law. Brother Jose is like one of the hardest working men that I've ever met. I mean, you work with Jose, he's an ox. He's just, he's just you, not messing around. And, you know, every day he's just stopping at McDonald's. Not every day, but you know what I mean? He's just, he just eats whatever. It's like my, my father-in-law, he's 50-something years old. One of the fittest men I know. You ask him about organic food, he's like, oh, I buy it if it's on sale. He's like, I just try to eat healthy and just, you know, be active. And it's like, look, don't get all proud about health. Don't get all proud about these things. It, look, I, eat healthy. But here's the thing. If you like soda, drink it. You're going to die anyway. I mean, you're not going to live that long. So, number five. Go to, first, go to Luke chapter 18. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 18. See, I justify because I drink that glass bottled Coke, you know? The one from Mexico because it doesn't have high fructose corn syrup. Some, you know, I love my wife. Sometimes my wife will, she'll have a, a headache, and I'll tell her, it's all that healthy eating. You need to drink a soda. You'll feel better. <laughs> Luke chapter 18, look at verse 9. Luke chapter 18, verse 9. Number five, pride looks down on people for not being spiritual. Remember, we saw there in Luke 8, knowledge puffeth up. Pride looks down on people for not being spiritual. Are you there in Luke 18? Notice Luke chapter 18. It's a very, very famous passage. You know it well, but let's look at it together. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. That's the key words, despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. Now notice what it says, okay? For Because here's the problem with this guy. For everyone that exalteth himself, that's pride, shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. See, sometimes people, they'll come to a church like Verity Baptist Church, or they'll listen to like great preaching, uh, like Pastor Anderson, you know, online, or they'll listen to Pastor Donnie Romero online, they'll listen to Pastor Burzens online, and they'll learn a lot of the Bible. But instead of just learning a lot of the Bible so that they can win souls, so that they can do a great work for God, they just end up getting puffed up. And they start looking down on people. Oh, did you see that person? They showed up. You see that person with all those tattoos? You know, see that person, how they were dressed? See that person with all those piercings? Hey, listen to me. You know, I've, I've had people come to our church that, you know, we're looking for a church, and they're like, I just don't, I just don't know about your, your church. I've literally had someone say to me, I, I saw a lot of people with tattoos. That's what they said to me. And, and they had, like, ear, these earrings. And here's the problem. This person came from a church that had 12 people in it. They were all, like, 85 years old. And I'm not against people that are 85 years old. But they were all, they'd all been there for 40 years. Every single one of them knew how to dress right, knew how to act right, knew how to act real spiritual. And I just explained to them, I said, you know, the, the problem that you have, that you may have with Verity Baptist Church, is that we are reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And sometimes they don't have it all put together. And they don't know how to play the game. And they don't know how to play the part. And they just kind of walk in with all their problems. And they walk in with all their issues. And that's fine! Because we want to reach people. We love people. But this attitude of... I'm just so fundamental, and I'm just so great, and I've got all this knowledge, and don't talk to me about pre-trib, and don't talk to me about that. It's a bunch of garbage. It's being exalted. Because when someone learns the Bible, guess what they learn? They, they realize that the biggest theme throughout the Bible is I am nothing, and God is everything. And it helps you have compassion towards people. Number six, go to Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14, if you find Ezekiel, go past Isaiah is the first big uh, of the prophets, Isaiah 14. Number six, we're doing good. We got 10 points. We're on number six already. 
Pride, I'm just helping you identify pride in your life. And you may not have any of these, but you may, you, all of these, hopefully you don't have all of these. Good night. If you have all of these, you are, you are a problem. <laughs> but you may have one or two, or you may not have one to the extent of what we're talking about, but you have hints of it. You know, and, and, you, and you want to identify those things in your life. Number six, pride constantly talks about itself. You ever been around that person where all they do is talk about themselves? You can't get a word in, you know? It's all... Now, notice, because remember, we saw in Ezekiel that one of the main characteristics of Satan was pride. Now, in Isaiah, we have another passage about Satan. Notice what it says. Isaiah chapter 14, look at verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? All right? Son of the morning. So we know that's Satan. How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weakens the nation? Now notice, what he, now notice what it says. For thou hast said in thine heart. So we're going we're gonna to listen in on Lucifer's conversation, all right? Here's what he said, all right? If you don't, like underli- if you don't mind underlining or circling your Bible, I would, I would circle these words, okay? For thou hast said in thine heart, verse 13, circle this word, I. He says, I will ascend into heaven. Circle this word, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Circle this word. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides above the stars of God. Circle this word. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation. Hey, ushers, can you guys help me out with these kids? Appreciate it. Somebody could get them over. Number 14. I, circle this word. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. Circle this word. I will be like the most high. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Look at verse 15. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Now notice, when the Bible talks about a man, a person, Satan, who was filled with pride, and when we key in on, his, on the conversation that he had, notice what comes up over and over, this word, I. I, 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 I. And in your own conversation, you ought to really take the time to think about, when I'm talking to people, am I always talking about myself? Because that would identify. Because here's the thing. We often look at pride as something where you think you're better than someone else. And that's definitely pride. But sometimes it's not that people think that they're better than themselves. It's just that all they think about is themselves. Not that they think they're better than anyone else. It's just the only subject they're interested in is I. And sometimes you have conversations with people and it's I, 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 I this, I that, I went here, I went there. And that's all they talk about. And that, sh- that would actually show you if someone is proud. And look, if you have a question, you know, do I have these, you know, at lunch today or maybe at dinner tomorrow? Just ask your spouse, like, am I proud? <laughs> you know, now be ready for that. <laughs> you know, if everybody just kind of gets quiet, nobody says anything, they're kind of all looking around, you know. <laughs> Be careful because, you know, you know, ask yourself, ask yourself, am I constantly just talking about myself? Now, there's from time to time, we got to talk, we talk about ourselves, and that's great. People ask us questions, we talk, you know, I love to brag on the church. People ask me about the church, and I'll tell them about all of you, and all the soul winners, and all the changed lives, and I'll say, man, brother so-and-so, and brother, you know, and sister that, and, and, and all those things. But if we're constantly just talking about ourselves, that might identify pride in our lives. Not only is pride constantly talking about itself, but pride is constantly attempting to make itself look good. All right? Go, you're there in Isaiah. Go with me to the book of Zephaniah. Okay? Towards the end. All right? Towards the very end. It's going to be the fourth book from the end. Zephaniah chapter 2 of the Bible. Zephaniah chapter 2. And look at verse number 10. Okay? Now, while you're turning there, I'm going to read for you a verse from Proverbs 27, all right? Now, I know you're in Proverbs, but let me just read this verse for you. Proverbs 27, verse 2. Let another man praise thee, and not thine own mouth. A stranger, and not thine own lips. Zephaniah chapter 2, look at verse 10. Zephaniah chapter 2, verse 10. The Bible says this. This shall they have for their pride, okay? So here's pride. Because they have reproached and magnified themselves against the people of the Lord of hosts. See, people that are proud magnify themselves. People that are proud talk about themselves. People that are proud are constantly trying to tell people, give advice, you know. And, and it's, not, it's not that you're giving advice and somebody asks you. When nobody asks for your advice and you're just telling people, well, let me tell you how to fix this. Let me tell you how to fix that. Let me tell you how to do this. Let me tell you. Like, nobody asked. Nobody cared. 
No, we don't need to. But people that are proud often talk about themselves and are often just attempting, you know, to say, I'm so good in this area. I'm so successful in this area. You ought to, treat, you ought to try to be a father like I am because let me show you how great of a father I am. Or let me show you how great of a mother I am. Or let me show you how great of a spouse I am. Hey, those people might have a pride issue. Now, from time to time, someone asks you about, you know, your marriage. You say, well, here's what we do, and it works for us, and praise the Lord for it. But when people are constantly just talking about themselves, and here's the key, when they're magnifying themselves, let me just show you how great I am. That could be pride being identified. Go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Look at verse number 16. Romans chapter 12. Okay, number 8. Pride cannot be corrected. Romans chapter 12. Look at verse 16. Romans chapter 12 and verse 16. Now, while you go to Romans 12, I'm going to read for you from Proverbs 26, okay? Proverbs 26 verse 12 says this, Seest thou a man wise in his own conceit? There is more hope of a fool than of him. Seest thou a man wise in his own conceit? Are you there in Romans 12? Look at verse 16. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things. Now, that phrase, mind not high things, is talking about pride. Says, mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceit. You ever met that person that they're always right? Their way is always the right way. It's always my way to do, you know, and, and, and they can't even like acknowledge that someone might have a better idea. Or someone may just have as good an idea as theirs. You know, that person who's wise in their own conceit, that might be fried. The person who can is always right. Or here's the thing: the person that cannot admit that they're wrong. Listen to me, listen to me. When your wife's in that other room, and you know you messed up, and you know that you shouldn't have said what you said, and you know that you went, you know, you, you, you crossed the line, and, and, and you know that you should go in there and apologize, that thing inside of you that says, I'm just not going to do it, that's pride. You can't admit you're wrong. You can't reconcile. You can't ask for forgiveness. All of those things are pride. If you have issues with that, you're never wrong. I'm always right. And you keep arguing your point even after you know that you've been proven wrong. You are dealing with pride. Number nine. Go go back to Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13. Look at verse 10. Proverbs 13, verse 10. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 10. Proverbs 13, 10. Notice what the Bible says. Only by pride, Proverbs 13, verse number 10. Only by pride cometh contention. Now, the word contention means rivalry or fighting. Only by pride cometh contention, but what the well-advised is wisdom. See, pride is contentious. Pride, if you ever argue with anyone, and every single one of us has argued with someone or fought with someone, but if you ever argue with someone or fight with someone, let me explain to you. The only reason you're contending with that person in that sense is because of pride. Because the Bible says, look at what it says, only by pride cometh contention. Because someone is not esteeming other better than themselves. And it may be one person, or it may be both the parties, but whenever we are contentious, whenever we, and here's what that means. Because see, some of you are like, I don't know, I don't think I'm that contentious. Let, Let me help you identify it though, okay? When you are at the center of all the fights, You're like, I'm, you know, your wife's like, I'm fighting with this lady at church and this lady at church. When your husband's like, I'm fighting with this guy at work, I'm fighting with the neighbor, I'm fighting with my wife, I'm fighting with this person at church. Look, when when it's like everywhere you go, there's a fight and you're the common denominator, maybe it's because it's your pride. If you're the person that can't be approached... You're the person, your wife has to tiptoe around you because she might just set you, because you've got this short little fuse and it might get set off at any moment. And we just, we have to be careful how we approach so-and-so because they can just go off at any moment. Hey, listen to me, that's pride. Do you know that you can have disagreements with people and it doesn't have to turn into this just shouting match? You know that you can have a disagreement with an employee or you can have a disagreement with a boss? You know that you can have a disagreement with your spouse? You know that you can have a disagreement with a church member or with a neighbor and it doesn't have to become this contentious, you know? And here's what we think as fundamental Baptists. Because the Bible says earnestly contend for the faith. Do you know that you can contend for something and not be contentious? You know that you can take a stand for truth and righteousness and not be ornery and mean and rude? See, when we're constantly fighting, we've got this short little fuse and it's just ready to go off. You know what that is? It's pride. Pride contends. Pride has disagreements. Pride has fight. Now look, we all have disagreements, but pride turns everything into a fight. 
Number 10, we're, we're, we're done. I'm going to give you one more, and then we're going to look at some concluding verses. Uh, go to, where are you? You're in Proverbs? Go to Psalms. Psalm 10. Psalm 10, look at verse 4. Pride will keep you from, from God. Pride will keep you from God. Psalm 10, look at verse 4. Psalm 10, verse 4. The wicked, through pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. See, the reason the unbeliever rejects God, you know why? Because of pride. The reason that Jesus said that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven, you know why? Because of their pride. Because of their riches, their heart is lifted up. Because the wicked through pride of his countenance will not seek after God. When someone rejects God, they reject God for one reason, pride. Because here's the thing, when you come to God, you must submit yourself to God. When you come to God, you must come and submit yourself and realize, I am a sinner, I deserve to go to hell, there's nothing good in me, and the only way I can be saved is through Jesus Christ. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Not only do unbelievers not come to God because of pride, but believers, saved people, will forget about God because of pride. See, some of you won't be here next year. Some of you won't be here next week. <laughs> some of you won't be here after this sermon, right? You won't be here tonight. You're, you're done. You're like, I can't believe he said that. Okay? But here's why. Here's why we get offended. Here's why we get upset. Here's why we get mad. Here's why we leave. Because of one word, pride. Deuteronomy 8, 8 look at verse 14. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 8, look at verse 14. Deuteronomy 8, 14. Notice what it says. Then thy heart be lifted up. He's talking about people that were blessed, you know, by God. And he said, because of their blessing, their heart was lifted up. That's pride. And thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. See, when God allows us to be a little successful, God gives us a little, you know, uh, uh, some successes in our lives and, and some victories in our lives. Often our heart gets lifted up and then we forget about the God that brought us out of bondage. We forget about the God that brought us out of Egypt. And he said that they would forget the Lord thy God. Believers will get backslidden and will forget about God for one word, pride. Unbelievers will not receive God for one word, pride. Pride will keep you from God. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 13, then we're going to look at a, a verse in Psalms and Proverbs, and we'll be finished up, okay? So if you can go to 1 Corinthians 13, go to Psalms and go to Proverbs, or be ready to go to those, and we're going to finish up, Okay? And I want to explain to you something about pride. So we talked about 10 different things that pride does, 10 characteristics. Number one, pride looks down on people because of their things. Number two, pride looks down on people because of how they look. Number three, pride looks down on people because of knowledge. Number four, pride looks down on people because of what they eat. Number five, pride looks down on people for not being spiritual. Number six, pride is constantly talking about itself. Number seven, pride is constantly attempting to make itself Look good. Number eight, pride cannot be corrected. Number nine, pride is contentious. Number ten, pride will keep you from God. Okay? Now, I want you to understand what pride is. All right? Pride is self-love. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we have the passage, and often people will call it the love passage. Right? Now, your King James Bible doesn't use the word love. It uses the word charity. But the reason for it is because of the Bible, because, you know, this entire chapter speaks about this idea of charity. Now, let me just explain to you a couple things. If you look at the Greek word that our King James translators chose to translate into charity, it's that same word is translated in our King James Bible as love in other passages, all right? So in the NIV and in the new versions of the Bible, they translate this word love, you know? And they'll say that the King James translators were wrong for having the word charity. But let me explain to you why I believe charity was the right word and why I believe that, that charity is the, the, the word that should have been used. Obviously, we believe the King James Bible is the word of God. If you don't understand that, you know, we've got a DVD for you to watch that will explain all of it. I don't have time to go through it right now. But here's what you got to understand. When you study 1 Corinthians 13, notice what it says. Look down at verse number 4. And actually, let me, let, let's look at a little more of it than just... Uh, verse number four. Let me, let me get there myself. I had it in my notes, but let me look at the entire passage. First Corinthians chapter 13. Look at verse number one, okay? First Corinthians chapter 13. Notice what he says. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tingling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Look at verse 4. Charity suffereth long. That, that means it's patient. And is kind, of course. That's kindness. Charity envieth not. So I was talking about not, not 
Envying people, uh, you know, just something for you to study out. Envy in the Bible is always bad. Jealousy in the Bible is not a bad thing, but envy is. Charity vaunteth not itself. The word vaunt means to boast or brag. Verity vaunteth not itself is not puffed up. We saw that word already. It means to be full of yourself. Verse 5, doth not behave itself unseemly. Talking about being rude. Seeketh not her own is pride. Is not easily provoked. That's talking about a, a anger, a short fuse. Thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Now, what the passage is teaching, and here's why love is not the right word, all right? Because if you think about the opposite of love, what's the opposite of love? Hate. What's the opposite of charity, though? You wouldn't say hate. But here's what you would say is the opposite of charity. Selfishness. See, the reason 1 Corinthians 13 was the right, the, word, the right word was used, charity, is because what we're being taught is not just love, okay? Love is all throughout the Bible, for God so loved the world. But here's what we're being taught. When we deal with people, we ought not be selfish. We ought not be self-centered. We ought not be focused on ourselves. Why? Because charity suffereth long. That means we're patient with others. Charity envieth not. That means we're happy for other people's success. Charity vaunteth not itself. That means we don't brag or boast about ourselves to others. Charity is not puffed up. See, the word charity is the right word. Here's why. Because it means to not be selfish. Now notice the words. Charity vaunteth not itself, does not brag, does not boast, is not puffed up. You know why? Because pride is self-love. See, some people are proud and they look down on others. Some people aren't proud. It's just they don't love anyone else. They just love themselves. That's why all they talk about is themselves. That's why all, all that they think about is themselves. And sometimes they say things that are rude. Sometimes they say things that are mean. Sometimes they mistreat people. And it's not that they're trying to be mean to people, but they're not thinking about how their words make other people feel. They're just thinking about themselves. See, the Bible says, let your words be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that we may know how to answer every man. See, our words ought to be carefully chosen to minister to others. But when you're just talking and talking and talking and talking, and all you care about is yourself, then you behave yourself unseemly. Then you're rude. Then you're mean. Then you treat people in ways that you don't want to treat them. Because here's the problem with pride. Pride is love of self. And see, here's what Jesus taught. We ought to love God and others. And when we love ourselves, we're anti what Jesus taught. That's why God hates pride so much. Let's look at three passages, okay? Psalm 73. Psalm 73. Let's, let's do it quickly. Psalm 73. Psalm 73. Look at verse 6. Psalm 73, verse 6, okay? Here's why we have to deal with pride. Pride will consume you. Psalm 73, verse 6. Therefore, pride. Psalm 73, verse 6. Therefore, pride confesses them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. See, pride will encapture you. Pride will come about you as a chain, and it'll hold you in bondage. There are some people, some people, you know, it's like, so there's some people, you know, it's like, maybe, hopefully not all ten of these things apply to them, but a good seven out of ten apply to them. And they're just like, that's not me. That's my wife, and that's my neighbor, and that's my boss, but that's not me. But here's the problem with pride. It, it, it consumes you. It drowns you so that you can't even identify it in yourself. Now, here's the problem with pride. Go, go to Proverbs 16. We're going to look at two verses. Proverbs 16, verse 18. You're there in Psalms? Just the next book over. Remember, we started in Proverbs. We're ending in Proverbs. Proverbs 16, look at verse 18. We're finishing right here. Proverbs 16, look at verse 18, okay? Here's the problem with pride, and here's really why you need this sermon, why you need this series, why we all need to identify pride in our lives. Proverbs 16, 18. Notice what the Bible says. Pride goeth before destruction. Pride goeth before destruction. And a haughty, the word haughty means lifted up, so talking about pride, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Go to Proverbs 29, verse 23. Last verse we'll look at. Proverbs 29, verse 23. Notice what it says. Proverbs 29, verse 23. A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Say, Pastor Jimenez, why are we spending three weeks talking about pride? Here's why. Pride will destroy you. Pride will destroy your marriage. Know why 50, 60% of marriages end in divorce? One word, pride. Pride will destroy your relationships. Pride will get you fired. Pride will destroy your business. Pride goeth before destruction. So here's the thing. We have to identify pride in our lives and destroy it before it destroys us. That's why we need this. 
That's why we need to learn this. That's why we need to identify these things. That's why you should go home and listen to the sermon again or get the CD next week and listen to the sermon again. That's why you ought to be open, not get defensive, not get offensive, and not say, well, I can't believe that he was saying. That's why we ought to search our hearts and try to find and ask God to reveal in us pride because pride will destroy you. And we better destroy it before it destroys us. Let's fire it to